I have a good sex life, not afraid to say that. Um, I suppose I'm not the sort of person who says anything less than a good sex life. In this day and age, people are having sex younger and younger. There's more and more sex on TV, in music. Me and the guy making out on the rugby pitch. But I am basically kinky besties at this point. Some edge play includes blood, knives, needles, electro, fire, and consensual non-consent, all that sort of thing. Just one of those things like, I... I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of my sexuality. I'm not ashamed of the sex that I have. I enjoy it very much. I enjoy sex. Well, I mean, the way that I see sex and consent is quite simple. Don't get some until you get some. That's true. My life is a porn. I just don't film it. Welcome, Welcome Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the A Slut Podcast. I'm in Seattle, Washington right now, um, in my little Airbnb at the bottom of a, of a little hill. Really, really cool, really, really fun. Um, yeah, I'm three quarters of the way through my trip now, I think. Pretty close to that. And it's been awesome, uh, awesome so far. Today, on today's show, yeah, I just did that. Uh, we have Mistress Jennifer, who is a dominatrix from Houston. And I had a, had a good 45 minute or so chat with her about what she does, um, what's involved with it, and basically just learning a whole bunch of new stuff around how that all works. Uh, it was a really, really cool chat, really, really fun, really entertaining. Um, so that's what you're going to be hearing today. Uh, my travels so far have been ridiculous in every sense of the word. Uh, I will be doing a review of a club that I went to in San Antonio and some of the people I met there, so that's to come up on another episode as well. Um, I did uh, just recorded yesterday a pod, a, an episode with uh, Gayish Podcasts, so that'll be coming up. Make sure you tune in for that. And don't forget, you can always email the show at theaslutpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can go to the website, aslutpodcast.com. And you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, basically anything you like at the Aslut Podcast. So do go and check those out. And do feel free to email me because I love talking to you guys. Or even DMing me on, on any of the social media stuff. It would be really, really, really cool. Um, so without any further waiting... 
Here's my interview with Mistress Jennifer. Please enjoy. And always remember, let's get a slutty. My dominatrix. She beats the shit out of me. She smacks me on my ass. Till it's as ready as can be. She says it turns her on. Can't say I like it too much, but whatever she wants is fine with me. And I welcome to the show, finally, um, after all this time. Mistress Jennifer, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm very, very good. Um, we've, we sort of been talking a little bit about meeting up and, and, and talking. And I'm really excited about this because I haven't actually had a female dominant on the show before. So I'm really, really pumped to talk to you um, over this next week while. But um, a lot of people uh, won't know who you are, um, which is probably fair. But um, tell us a wee bit about yourself, what you do, why you're on the show. Well, um, I was asked by you to come on the show. It was a pleasure. I'm so glad to be asked, of course. Um, I'm actually a professional dominatrix and have been for 10 years, based in Houston, Texas. Um, I've traveled all over. I've worked, um, you know, at many dungeons throughout the U.S. Um, and we're from like L.A. to uh, New Orleans to all over Texas. I mean, it's, it's just been awesome. Um, I also teach uh, classes as well. I've done that, branched out. I do events at different fetish, you know, fetish balls, things like that as well. I also work at the store Adam Mead. So, you know, the, the BDSM is basically in all aspects of my life and <laughs> has been for the past 10 years. So it's, it's been a, it's been fun. It's, it's something that I thought I never would get into, but I, I just kind of came into it and just kind of been, it's kind of a new thing that I wanted to try and do. And it's just worked out really well. It's it's awesome that it's worked out, and I, mm-hmm. and I love the cheeky wee plug for Adam and Eve there as well. So oh yeah, well you know where you, <laughs> <laughs> those out there know where you need to go if you need to get um, even BDSM stuff because there's obviously an expert who works there, which is which is really really cool. Um, and you said you you've been in the business for for ten years now. That that that's a that's a fair stretch in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but sort of how how did you get into kink in general, and then moving into that product? Okay, um, well, I actually found out about the kink world back in, I'd say, 1998, 1999, like 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I was part of a newspaper. I worked in the newspaper industry for 15 years, sold classified advertising, and, and we used to get these passes from our clients who advertised with us for um, different BDSM events, you know, fetish, um, little underground fetish balls, things like that. They really weren't out there as much as they are now back Mm -hmm. then 20 years ago. Everything was kind of hush-hush, kind of, you know, uh, taboo. So, I mean, it's really gotten more build-up over the years and people know more about it now. There was no fet life back then either. Um, no. <laughs> no FetLife, no any of the other, you know, sites that are still around. But no, we used to get these free passes, we'd advertise for them, and they'd mm-hmm. send us, like, these passes and these invitations to these to these ball, um, little underground balls. I mean, you, you really, they wouldn't advertise the balls themselves, really, right. because, you know, they didn't want to have people find out about it, because all the vanilla people would be kind of, you know, t- turning their nose about it and stuff like that. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it, it's... So that's how you sort of, you started your way into kink, and were you mm-hmm. were you the uh, the D type 
straight away or did you go through some exploration or I've always been a real dominant person even when mm. I was a kid because I'm an only child and mm. I was very dominant I thought everything was my way or no way um I was very dominantly even on the playground and all, all the toys were mine I wanted to rule the playground and <laughs> run everything I wasn't a all bully of sorts everything you know like even the the kids you know the swings or whatever you know I wanted to be the kid that always you know ran everything not in a mean way but just just wanted to be in like charge a godfather kind Away. Kind of, <laughs> kind of, sort of, yeah, but <laughs> it just kind of started out as that, so. And it's just moved on from there, I guess. It's moved on from there, and you know, the thing is, is that I never really had it in my personal relationships just with my work, because, you know, once I went to this this fetish, these fetish events, you know, I started thinking, hmm, this is kind of fun, you know, I saw this one lady wearing all leather, and she was, she had this man in a collar walking him on a chain, and mm. I was like, this is kind of cool, and you know, <laughs> we'd sit there and we'd watch her flog him and all that at the St. Andrew's Cross, it's like, this is kind of cool, but, yeah, no, I mean, I don't know, I don't think I could ever want to really do any of that, but but things change over the years. They so. do, they mm -hmm. definitely do, and it's it's kind of cool that you've evolved from that sort of. This doesn't interest me, and now you're doing it, obviously yeah. on a regular basis. I do. Um, you know, I have been doing this for ten years, and you know, it's just something that I kind of came into, um, not from really the fetish events. A friend of mine who isn't, she's retired now, but she got me into this. Um, she took me to, actually to one of her subs, and he asked <laughs> if I ever spanked anyone, and I was like, no, not really. I said, maybe my child when he was a little younger, but he's an adult now. But it's like, no, not really. And he's like, would you? And yeah, I that's said, a little I, bit I, different. Right, it was a little different. And I said, okay. So I tried it, and it just kind of was nice. It was very um, stress-relieving, you know, because mm -hmm. I still had a teenager at that point. And I was like, you know, this is kind of fun. This is kind of stress relieving. It gets all that stress off from raising a child, and absolutely, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the dopamine levels definitely go through the roof exactly. at that point, and mm -hmm. you're able just to release everything out there mm -hmm. and, and and relax a little bit, and that's part of the thing that I enjoy yes. about it. And um, it's just it's it's a lot of fun. So you 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 said just a moment ago something that I thought was interesting. It's just a professional thing because it's not in your personal. Well, up until like um, a year or so ago, um, you know, I am now involved with someone who he actually, you know, I met him through the business, mm -hmm. you know, and it, I mean, we don't always incorporate it into our personal life, but it, it kind of comes into you know, into play because oh, funny word. Anyway, so um, yeah, it kind of comes into the into the relationship because number one, I've known him, and that's how I met him in in the in the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it kind of creeps in there, but I try to keep it separate because you know I love my work I love being a professional dominatrix and have mm -hmm. for 10 years but you know it's not like you want to take your work home with you yeah. you want to keep it separate it's good to separate your regular life from your work life you 100%. don't want to you know intertwine them yeah exactly it's, it, it's the age-old story of you know for example somebody who's a chef mm -hmm. they're cooking all day they're cooking all night the last thing they want to do is come home and cook Right. So they're wanting to. They get, want to stay away from food. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe not stay away from food, but they right. definitely don't want to have to do the cooking themselves. Right. They want somebody else to be able to. To do it for them. To or, do it for them because yeah. they've just been doing it all day. Exactly. Sure, they're great at it. They're really, really good at it, but you don't want to do it around the clock. No. Nobody wants to do their work. 24/7. No, I don't. I want to just, you know, at some point, I just want to walk away from it at the end of the day and be like, oh, I need a break. I want to get away mm. from this. I love it. Yes, don't get me wrong, yeah. but. It. it the body couldn't sustain that uh, level of dopamine release anyway. Mm -hmm. It's true. it's one of those things, obviously, I talk a lot about 
um, the science behind BDSM and why people enjoy it and why things like drop happen and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And part of it is that the fact that the, the human body physically can't um, consistently release dopamine at such a high level. Um, so mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like you said, you just sort of want to come home and just relax more exactly. than anything else. Get away from it because it just gets, you know, it's wonderful, but it's nice to have that break, just mm-hmm. to kind of just have a break. Yeah. So I, I guess um, I know the listeners are going to be curious about this because I have uh, a fair few kinksters on. I had have people that aren't kinky that are mm-hmm. poly or you know because I talk about, about such a wide array right. of array of things. So what are the kinds of things that you do with your subs if you're comfortable? Oh sure, I can tell you. Um, well, I focus a lot on discipline, um, like spanking, flogging, caning. You know, even over the knee, I have some some old time, you know, old school, I guess you call them, um, kinksters that, you know, they grew up getting spanked in school like a lot of people over, I don't know, I don't think they really do it now anymore, but they did. Like, I'm, you know, I'm 47, I'll be 48 in January, and it's like, that's what they did when I was in school. They would spank Mm -hmm. the kids, you know, for being bad, for misbehaving, and that's how they handled the discipline. And I still have, like, men in their 70s and and stuff that, that got spanked even by their parents, I mean. And they want that. They want that um, fulfillment. They want to relive that. They want to relive their youth, you know. And I don't know why they want to get spanked at you know their age, but they just want to go back, I guess, to to being that time. Because I mean, I knew they probably didn't enjoy it, but something they got from it, they wanted to continue <laughs> keeping with it. So <laughs> it's it, it, different. It, it just reminds me of, of a saying that I know. Things we hated as children, naps and spankings. Things we love as adults, naps and, and spankings. spankings. Exactly. You know, it's not for me, but hey, you know, I'm not one to, to judge. But yeah, no, I enjoy the spanking. I like the bondage aspect of, mm-hmm. you know, having them feel helpless, you know, being yeah. tied up. It's just something, I don't know, maybe it's just a power trip, you know. <laughs> it's just something that I like. I don't know, maybe it's a little yeah, sadistic. The, 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 the power exchange is, is a huge thing for me as well as... If, but because I'm a switch, but I'm have definitely on the dominant side, have the dominant tendencies, and mm-hmm. it takes somebody out of this world for me to to move to the S type mm-hmm. sort of situation. So it's it's when I'm playing with somebody, the the roles in that situation are those roles. I can't mm-hmm. switch in the middle of a of a scene or anything like that. I I even find it difficult to switch with a single person. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm at somebody's dominant, mm-hmm. then I'm their dominant. I'm not likely to, to switch for them. I would have somebody else that I would be the, the S-type for mm-hmm. as opposed to the D-type. Right. So I, I find that sort of thing that really interesting where they sit there and just go, mm, that's sort of where it's at. You know, and it, I can't understand, I mean, the dominant, you know, I can understand the dominant and the submissive, but being a switch is, is something I cannot do personally because I'm a very dominant person also. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I know people who are switches, and that's great if they have that kind of, if they can turn it off like a light switch, like, okay, well, I'll be a dominant for this period of time, and then we'll switch up. I'll be the submissive and whatnot. Mm. But, yeah, See, you know, I, do that. I just can't do that either. There's no way. I cannot do that. I, You know, I can't put myself, you know, totally in a submissive role. Mm-hmm. Now, personally, I, you know, kind of a little bit teeny-weeny, maybe a little bit <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of leeway on that, but not yeah. very much. I still have to tell them how to do things. Right. So, so that's still being dominant, even though I'm, you know, giving myself to be a little bit submissive. It's still being okay. You need to do it this way. Mm-hmm. This is the way it should be done. So, I still run things. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. and 
another thing that that I like to talk about, especially for, with things like this, is there's obviously a safety aspect around not not just the kink actions, but the fact that you you're seeing clients. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what sort of steps do you take to ensure safety in these situations? Well, I always um, implement consent. Of course, the number one key is consent. If you don't have consent, you don't have anything. Yep. Um, and I al- always um, find out firsthand. I ask a lot of questions. I like to know. You know, if they're new to the scene, mm-hmm. you know. Um, That's an important one. Yes, because, because newbies don't know where their levels are at. Exactly. And you need to be able to start low to be able to build that up. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. You ask questions. I like to know um, if they're new. You know, if they do have experience, how much? Mm-hmm. You know, if they have seen a pro dom before, what kind of things did they do? You know, of course, it's confidentiality with their subs. But you know, some don't tell me the names of the not the subs, but the the doms. They say, mm-hmm. okay, well, I saw Mister So and So X Y Z, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, if they want to tell me, that's on them. If they don't, I get that too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like to ask. You know, what is your level of experience? Experience. Um, when's the last time you played? I like to know that too, because some of them are like, "Oh, I went and saw somebody like two years ago, three years ago," which and is I'm a like, long, long time. It's a kid. long time. It really is. So I just like to ask questions, find out as much possible. Um, I ask them, "Do you have any health problems? Anything mm-hmm. that will hinder you from any of the the things that we that we try?" Um, you know, I like to find out all those things. You know, I, I screen them pretty heavily. You know, I, I like to Yeah, I was going to ask about yes. screening. Oh, yeah, I screen. Um, I not only look on a, a couple of web boards to see, you know, if they have any black listings against them. And if mm-hmm. they do, I, I bring that up. I mention it. I said, hey, you know, I've noticed out there on the Internet, you know, I do screen you, as you, you probably can imagine. Yeah. But I see that you've been blacklisted in this certain, certain area, like, you know, like you didn't show up or whatnot, you know, and that is a big turn off for me I'm mm-hmm. like I usually don't take their appointments if they've seen they've been blacklisted if they if they have a new number then that you know they tell me that and they actually show up but like if they do you know schedule the appointment and tell me they have a new number and don't show up then I know they're lying yeah so yeah so I mean it's just it's out there you know um, I just like to make sure you know what they do for you know their in- employment um, I have them send me a picture of them I mm-hmm. like to do a phone interview so I know who I'm talking to yep. so you know kind of get to know them I've even met them at my store and in person and stuff to kind of pre-screen them as well yep. so I like to nice know who's coming place. to see me exactly very very clever because mm-hmm. there's yeah, there are have been some absolute horror stories of people just sort of, Believe sort of me, going for it. I have met, you know, and I've met some, you know, undesirable people out there. Even when they come to the store, um, you know, I never judge a book by its cover, but if they give me kind of a creepy vibe, I definitely don't want to see them. Yeah. So yeah. Absolutely. And there are a lot of creepy people out there. There are. For sure. They come into our store every day. We have to, you know, we are very cautious, very on guard. We have to make sure that, you know, they're all on that, you know. If they're creepy and we get that vibe, we, like, you know, basically tell them, you know, to leave, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it just doesn't make us feel comfortable. I imagine there's the odd one that hangs around for just a little bit too long. Um, we times. do. We have some that just kind of linger, and it's like, okay, you know, are you doing okay? You check on them, and then they're just still there, and I'm like, okay. And then I usually at that point I tell my coworker because we work with a lot of um, our people. We have guys and girls who work together because we yeah. want to make sure we're safe. Yeah, which is which is awesome as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what what measures do you put in place? You know, you've met a client for the first time. Um, you've vetted them. Everything's all good. When you first actually meet them in person uh, outside of the store, so perhaps in a private setting, 
what kind of um, do you have anything in place in that sort of situation from that point? Like as a session? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yes. Yeah, so, like, so just safety, and it's just, it's your first session with the person. Um. I usually sit down with them first, mm -hmm. and we talk about what's going to go on in the session because you know we kind of I need a game plan, you know, yeah. and I, I kind of want in the pre-screening I find out what their interests are. You know, are they more into pain? Are they more into electro? Are they more into you know just different categories? And I take notes actually as I go along, and yeah, I build profiles great. on all my people. So uh -huh. like. You know, I'll, and I'll sit down when they first get there and here and go, you know, hey, um, you know, tell me again what you're into. Do you want to be spanked? Do you want electro? Do you want sounding? What kind of things are you looking for? And then we figure it out and then we start, you know, getting everything ready to play. So, And and is it from that point right there when you're starting to get everything ready is that when the scene starts for you or the, the um normally or yes um it's like a, a pre-scene and then i go into a scene because yeah. you know i am that's like preparation you know i like to yeah. prepare um i'm definitely prepared for for all of my you know my uh, sessions and i actually kind of you know when i pre-screen them on the phone or in you know over the pre-screening um i tell them okay when i find out what they want i tell them okay well i'm going to put these certain things i even categorize and put my items aside of what i'm going to yeah. use like my implements yeah. and things like that so i'm prepared and i'm like okay well this guy wants to be spanked this guy wants electro so i'll pull out like the violet wand the tens unit the paddles whips whichever they want so mm -hmm. and have it ready uh, and I guess you'll you'll have some regulars that you'll just know straight away what they're what they're after as well. So as soon as they book a session, you know, okay, I'm gonna do this, and that's and that's how it is, right? Right, because I build profiles on them, and I know and a lot of them I've known for many years. I mean, mm -hmm. I have subs who've been coming to see me since the beginning, which is awesome, you know. And yeah, that's, that's really of, cool. It's unheard of, right? You know, this day and age, because the scene has changed so much, it and was. all the stigmas and all the censorships and all the things like that. It's really changed, so it's good to have, you know, I have a steady base of clientele that have. You know, they don't come to see me every week, maybe once a month, maybe yeah. every other month. But they consistently are still there, and they still, you know, I've had them find me after two years. Oh, I'm so glad you're still around. I thought you were out of the business. You know, I couldn't find you. But actually, if they really want to find me, they'll find me. They'll find you, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and that, that, that's really cool as well. And it, and it must make you feel good about what you're doing as well, that these people do want to keep coming back. Because I, I, I'm imagining... Well, not imagining, I see it quite a bit that there's more and more people getting into it and more and more um, pro-doms coming into the scene as well. So the fact that they, w they would like to keep coming back is, I think, a really, really cool thing as well. There are a lot of pro-doms out there. Um, you know, uh, I don't know. It's, it's hard to gauge, like... <laughs> Of course, how many? Because you know, um, mm. we really we have had a lot of um, website websites shut down and censored. So I mean, because there used to be so yeah, much foster system, right, right, right. It used to be so much easier to access them and find them, and you know. But I do also have girls who come up to me and say, "Hey, you know, I want to be a professional dominatrix," mm. and I was like, "Do you really? You know, it's <laughs> it's not an easy business. Let me tell you, it's tough, and you know, it's well. There's really still a lot of stigma around it, really." There is, there is, and dealing with, like, the human trafficking stigma and all that stuff, mm -hmm. too, and it's like, we've had a lot to deal with in the past three to four years. They've had, you know, numerous websites being shut down, and that kind of, you know, hinders how we get our name out there, but we still find a way to do it, you know, mm -hmm. I still find a way to reach my people, the ones that are left, the websites that are left, I use all the social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr, I even use, like, you know, Yelp, and, you know, whatever, however means we can get out there, 
and uh, and I have a website too. Well, so. it's self marketing, really, yes. isn't it? You've got that's what you're doing is you're marketing yourself and and what you can do. Exactly, and you know, since I have newspaper background, advertising background, you know, it kind of helps that you know I write my own ads and things like that, and, mm -hmm. and know how to market myself. But really, it helps having that foundation because you know it's different for somebody who doesn't have that. You know, they don't know how to how to really get the word out there. But mm -hmm. you know, and I market all the events I do too. I put all of the the flyers you know out there. I even drop business cards around the neighborhood and mm -hmm. put them in the stores and the different you know area um you know like even the bdsm stores whatever whichever ones we have around our neighborhood i'll just drop them off and keep them there too no oh, that's really really cool mm -hmm. and and part, part of that shows how i guess um i can't think of the word it shows how much you back yourself as well not just sitting there and and, and, and your work ethic work ethics that's the word i'm looking for is, is your work ethic to mm -hmm. go out there and put yourself out there I think there's a lot of people, especially in the in the digital age, that rely solely on, you know, their their Instagram page or their their Twitter page, or and that's all they've got. They don't think about these extra ways to be able to go out and market themselves, or or they don't want to know. Right. I think some of them don't even want to know. It's too much hard work for them. Well, I think it's all about hard work. I mean, you've got to put a lot into it. If you don't put a lot into it, you won't get anything back from it. And that's kind of like what we did, you know, even back in the advertising age when I did the newspaper, you know, print advertising, mm -hmm. you know, we went out there and we, you know, had people, we helped create their ads and stuff. And, you know, you have to have something that pops, that catches yeah. their eyes, something, a catchy phrase or a picture that stands out. Mm -hmm. So you have to have something that really will, will get their attention. And now, I mean, I market myself as as much as I can because if I don't I won't get any you know people or you know I won't have people find me I'll be limiting mm -hmm. myself exactly. and that's bad I mean yeah there are a lot of girls out there that are like oh I have to depend on my Twitter page uh, Twitter did nothing for me up mm -hmm. until it still really doesn't do a whole lot I yeah. mean I reach people but I really honestly don't get a lot of um, uh, submissives or, or you know possible um, you know submissives to come and see me I, mm -hmm. if you rely on that then you're really going to not make money as yeah, much you're going to struggle exactly. quite a bit exactly um, but again I think that the, that's the digital age for you though mm -hmm. is that okay everything's just social media and that's I can get by by that <laughs> sure there's some people that do that but it's one in how many that are that actually make it into that sort of right that, that onto that sort of level um what uh, this is this is a question that I that I really enjoy asking is um, what are some tips for a submissive who's contacting you for you to you know be to accept them or because you know or even on a first meeting because I've talking I've spoken to to sex workers and like you know too much cologne you know that sort of thing what are some tips that you would um, well, I like to make sure that, you know, they are very upfront with me, very honest. They are, you know, they, if they don't provide me any information or if they're very vague, then I will not take their appointment. I like yeah. people to be straightforward with me. You know, I come from a corporate background age where, you know, 
you, know, you shake hands. You know, everything is professional. I mm -hmm. mean, if they get unprofessional with me, I don't see them. Um, yeah. I usually, even on social media, I'll block them. I'm really good at blocking and deleting people. <laughs> it's awesome. You know, and it's like, I have no bad feelings about it either. But yeah, if they're not going to be honest with me up front, tell me exactly what they want mm -hmm. and not be reluctant, you know, because um, when I travel, especially even, you know, I get deposits, you know, because I want to secure this the time, you know, when I go work at the dungeons and whatnot, mm -hmm. you know, I like to make sure, and my time is val valuable, and I know yeah, theirs is too. Absolutely. Um, and then, yes, when they book the appointment, I want them to make sure that they show up. You know, that's why I get the deposit to make sure. I mean, mm -hmm. I have guys who prepay their whole sessions, which is amazing. I love that. Or they, they put down their deposit towards their session, which is good. So I just want them to be honest with me. Honesty is the best thing. There's so many flakes out there just yeah. in life. I mean, it's just if you say you're going to do something, do it. Yeah, and it's as simple as that, right? The, the, the One of the scariest things for me when I'm talking to people about being a submissive is – is the question around um, boundaries. What boundaries have you got? The scariest answer is, I don't have any. Oh, oh no, I have boundaries. <laughs> no, I but, have tons but, of boundaries. Yeah, yeah. But if, so when I'm talking to someone and I ask them, I go, well, what limits do you have? What limits do you have? Mm -hmm. And they sit there and go, oh, I have no limits. You can do whatever you want. That scares the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. It does me too. Um, you know, I'm like, you know, I like to know, you know, they, I asked them in their interview, I said, you know, are you into more of the, you know, pain, or as I said, mm -hmm. pain or pleasure? And then when it comes to that, you know, there are boundaries that, you know, I say, okay, well, you know, number one, I don't deal with really, I don't deal with needles at all. I mm -hmm. don't deal with, you know, like scat. I don't do with, you know, golden showers. I don't do any of that stuff. Yeah. I don't do, I stay away from that because number one, it's, it's just not me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I just, I would never offer that. But no, I, um, I just like to, you know, I tell them my boundaries and we kind of establish boundaries. We talk about it even in the pre-screening because yeah. I like to know, you know, exactly and even, right. Even with spanking, you know, a lot of them tell me, you know, I don't want marks. I don't want Want, you know this and that you know I don't because they have a significant other mm -hmm. and they don't want to go home and have to explain why am I why is my bottom pink or why yeah. do I have marks on my butt you know it's mm -hmm. like you know I have whelps on my butt you know mm -hmm. and, and everything and, and as know. long as you have that knowledge that that's what they're after then it's fine it's not an issue because okay. you can work around it exactly. which is that's how I really plan it. I plan it around, you know, I make like a little lesson plan. I feel like I'm a teacher kind of, you know, I make mm -hmm. a lesson plan and I'm like, okay, well, this guy, he likes this, this and that. He doesn't like this, this and that. And normally, even in like, if, when they email, even if they email me, they'll say, hey, you know, I'm not into this certain thing or that certain thing and let's stay away from that. I'm like, no mm -hmm. problem. And then we establish it. And then once I've seen them, you know, I kind of make a mental note of that as well and yeah. just kind of know. And that where, where, where that becomes difficult, I think, is when you're speaking to somebody who's completely new mm -hmm. to uh, to fetish or BDSM mm -hmm. or kink or wh whatever adjective you want mm -hmm. to do, and they, mm -hmm. and they genuinely don't know at that point what they're into. Mm -hmm. How Have you had someone like that, and how have you dealt with it? I have, and, you know, I ask them, you know, um, do you like pain more or do you like pleasure more? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I like to ask because... You know, that's kind of a good way to kind of get into it. It's yeah, like, that's you a know, good starting point. You know, um, you know, are you subjected to pain? Or do you have a high pain tolerance? You know, tell me up front. I like to, I just ask a lot of questions, you yeah. know, and that's the only way you'll, if you don't ask, you don't know. And the thing about asking questions is I think it makes the other person feel more comfortable as well. Right. Because they're sitting there and going, this person is, knows what they're talking about. They're getting information, so they know that I'm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Except for the one that asks so many questions. I mean, I get overwhelmed sometimes. I mean, and I know they're just sometimes they're wasting my time, sometimes they're not. But they'll just ask so many questions, one after the other, another, another, and they want me to describe what's going to go on in the scene in the the session. At that point, you just think they're trying to get off. Right, and I'm like, look, you know, if you really want to book this session, um, you know, stop asking me questions. I'll say, okay, questions are over. Either mm-hmm. book it or move on. Yeah. Leave me that mm, alone. <laughs> and and that's sort of fair enough because you don't want to sit there emailing or whatever back and forwards for however long. It just wastes time. And, and, and then they and then they don't book a session because mm-hmm. you've told them everything they wanted to know at that or point. Or they ghost. They just disappear. Yeah, which is, <laughs> yeah, I imagine relatively common as well, which would suck. It, it does, you know, especially when I've, you know, etched out the time and everything for them. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I can't exactly drop what I'm doing and say, you know, okay, you know, I mean, sometimes I can. Sometimes it works out. Like if I have open time, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually don't do last minute appointments because, you know, I do work at the store and I do have events that I do and I do travel somewhat. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's, it's like. It's difficult you know, to get that. Right, I just can't drop what I'm doing. And, you know, sometimes it's possible, though. There are instances when I can do that. But. Yeah. But it's not quite Very rare. I, I find it quite interesting that, you know, the too, too, too many questions and things like that, which is completely fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm a little bit strange in how I go about things when I'm um, meeting new potential subs. Mm-hmm. I have a, a verbal screening process where it's just a sort of casual chit-chat. And then I'm this is the weird part that, that mm-hmm. I get into. Mm-hmm. If it's going to be anything more than just like a tastings mm-hmm. sort of thing where I'm somebody hasn't tried something and they want to try a little bit of it, uh-huh. that's fine, that's fine there. Mm-hmm. But if I'm going to go into like a, a DS dynamic with somebody or even just a play partner situation, I have two quite long forms that I get people to fill out. Um, and the, the people listening have heard about these forms and I've even sent a couple out to people. Good, good. One of them's 13 pages mm-hmm. and it's just, it's like a ticker box sort of form. Mm-hmm. And it just has a whole bunch of actions and, and places where those actions will occur. And they'll go, mm-hmm. um, again, to try or no thanks. And they just tick a box. Mm-hmm. And that, one, it helps them learn a lot more about themselves, about what they might be interested in. Mm-hmm. And two, it helps me know what they're interested in and, and how I can cater everything from there. Mm-hmm. The second yeah. form I've got is basically a, it's kind of a consent form, but it's also, you know, uh, dangers, what can happen in a scene. Right. Um, have you ever gone non-verbal? Have you ever had a freeze response? Mm-hmm. You know, all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you happy to help out with pack up? Mm-hmm. If something goes wrong, will you talk about it in a mature way? Mm-hmm. And, and it's a weird process and, and I've had a lot of pushback from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a lot, but I've had some pushback from it because yes. it is such a big thing. But I sit there and go, if you want to be safe and I want to be safe, then this is this is what I need. If you're not going to do it, then I'm not willing to play with you. Yeah, right. Because this is my process and this process is here for safety of you and of me. And so we have a line in the sand there. Gotcha. There's no boundaries that can be overstepped. Mm-hmm. And it sort of sounds like that you do that just verbally, which is... I do, and, you know, but then I also, like, I'll usually send it, like, in an email as well, mm-hmm. so I'll get them to respond in, yeah. in written form as well. You know, and, and I don't that know way if, you've got everything there in front of you exactly. if, if anything happens. Exactly. You know, and I I mean, I I think the forms are great. I think that's a great idea. But number one, you know, it's it's a lot of paper. Yeah. (laughs) People don't. Some people are not willing to fill out. Oh, you don't paper. No, Google Docs. Oh, oh, good. Okay. It's all on Google Docs. So I'll make a, I'll make, I've got a base copy and then I'll make a copy and it'll be, um, 
BDSM checklist and then the name of the person. Nice. Okay. And that way I know exactly who it is. I can go back to my computer at any time okay. and go, okay, that's where we're at. But I, I also don't think that I don't think that that would work being a professional because mm. people just want to come in and do their thing. They don't want to sit there for, for maybe half an hour right. or longer to fill out a form. But you know the dungeons though that I work at. I have one that I work at in LA, mm -hmm. um, Sanctuary LAX. It's awesome. Um, I've worked there for the past uh, three, almost three years now, mm -hmm. and that's my home dungeon when I go to LA. Mm -hmm. I um, am always a visiting dom. I have there. to go back there. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. Visit. It's wonderful. So, um, so no, but they do. I mean, they have a pretty, you know, rigorous um, screening process because they have a lot of people that just walk in. Yeah. They have walk-ins, which I've never seen that before. No, you know? that's a little bit oh, weird. I'll just yeah. stop by and I'll just go get, you know, spanked or I'll get some bondage done. Let me just go stop in. <laughs> just walk it. Walking down the street, and right. just, just nip in for a just nip in for in a spank or two. Right. Let me just go see a, a <laughs> almost pro like dom. a bar. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Let me go see a pro dom for an hour or two, and then yeah, and then I'll just go on about my day, finish up what I'm doing for the rest of the day. <laughs> it's like it's so random, and it's funny because I've never been subjected to that. So it's it, and their their screening process is amazing. It's really no, really good. and it's effective. It's very effective. And but yeah, it's like okay, you know, we and when we find out, you know, the doms that are on staff, you know, we go and meet them, and we all one by one by one, and interview the person too, which is good. We right, can sit that's down very and talk cool, to yeah. them and meet them, and, you and can then get a vibe from them from that point as well. And then you can figure they figure out which one they want to work with, and they go from there. They have choices. That's really cool. I like that. I like I that quite a lot. Too. I do too. It's great. <laughs> um. A couple more things mm -hmm. uh, just before we finish up. We're okay. almost sure. we're almost at time. Um, first of all, a lot of people believe that a pro dom there's is the same as uh, a regular sex worker where there's sex involved. Quite often, that's not correct, though, is it? It's never correct. Yeah. I don't offer that. I mean, I I, I I think most don't. I see. I mean, there. Okay, there are some women out there who cross the line and they still try to I hate this they try to call themselves pro doms or professional dominatrix and yeah. you know it's it, I know I have nothing against it I have friends who are number one burlesque dancers I mean I have friends who are strippers I have friends who are all kinds of sex workers you know yeah. and I don't judge them at all I love them all the same mm. and but you know that's just my personal preference I don't offer that because number one I don't feel comfortable with that I yeah. mean even as a young adult when I you know was in college you know I'd go out with my friends and stuff and I wasn't the girl that always just randomly met some guy and brought mm -hmm. him home I'm not that kind of person you know um, my relationships number one are pretty you know long term yeah. you know I've been married I have a, a 22 year old son and I've been divorced 20 years and you know I'm not looking to get married again but plus I'm just not that girl I'm, yeah. I just have to and I keep I tell them up front you know no I do not offer sex no I do not offer you know these certain certain things you know I, I don't mm -hmm. offer that because and there's a lot of women who do even are Pro-doms, they cross that yeah, line. 100%. Which is wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. They're glorified, I hate but, to say this, glorified escorts, and they try to phrase themselves as pro-doms. Yeah. And unfortunately, they're more common than people think as well. They are. And, you know, they think it's okay, and it's not. No, no, it's not. Um, I do actually have two more. Okay, sure. That's awesome. <laughs> um, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it, because yeah. this, is, this is great insight for me as well. I'm learning a fair bit, which is... Part of the reason why I do this is so that I can learn as well. Um, but you, you've noticed a, a few times that you're a uh, mother to a 22-year-old. Mm -hmm. um, does he know about 
yes, my son, yes, he knows about what happened, uh, what's happening, you know, in my life. He knows I've been a professional dominatrix for 10 years. Mm -hmm. He knows I do the events. He's actually come to one of my events, actually, with his, his cool. friends. He brought a group of friends. They did a birthday party for me. Um, there's a group I'm part of called uh, Kinky Tuesday, and it's mm -hmm. at a club called Numbers here in the area, in the Montrose area. And I've been part of that for five years since the beginning, and I'm actually their resident I'm one of the resident doms there, and right. so I set up the spanking bench, and I do the spanking and floggings, and we do that on stage with the St. Andrew's Cross. But right. it was my birthday a couple of years ago, yeah. and he had um, he had planned, you know, with his friends. He said, "Okay, I'm going to bring my friends out." So he brought like a whole group of his friends <laughs> out to the bar, and you know, they they were um, I think he was 19 at the time. He was, and of course they didn't drink. They had to get the wristbands, which is funny. But um, yeah, I they all. <laughs> I know it was awesome. So he stayed for a little while. They stayed about. Uh, 30, 45 minutes. He's like, okay, mom, I'm out. I'm going home. I'm, I'm done. I'm good. <laughs> but, you know, he actually came out and supported, which is awesome. That's really cool. Yes. And funny story is that he works at a smoke shop slash adult novelty store. Right. So he sells what we sell. <laughs> he sells so a lot of our BDSM stuff, so it's kind of ironic <laughs> he's in this thing, too. So he never thought he would be, but yeah. So he, you, you, your son is working for the competition. Um, it's not a competition because their store is a smoke shop. We don't right. sell yeah, smoke yeah, products. Yeah. We never will. Um, but they do sell the bondage stuff and the yeah. the novelty toys, all that so stuff. Mm -hmm. How did the discussion with him come about, about what you do? It really wasn't a discussion. Um, this is the craziest story I've ever, I've ever experienced in my life. It's not <laughs> a story. It's real. Um, I had been, um, I'd been working and I picked up his friend and him from school or whatnot and, and dropped them off at his father's house, my ex. Um, and so I, I took my, I went to the grocery store. I was going to go get them some sodas and drop them off there. Yeah. Funny story. And then, um, I end up dropping them off and then his dad comes home from work and I left my bag of implements because <laughs> I didn't want them taken, you know, because I don't leave anything in my car, you know, yeah, yeah. when I, when I leave, you know, I just leave everything inside. So I was like, let me put this in there and I put it in there and I come back and everything's out on display when I come back to the apartment and I'm like okay, uh, okay. So he, that's how I found out and I was <laughs> like he's like what is this and I told him I said well your mom you know I spank people you know and I I discipline them you know when you're bad <laughs> and you've done something really naughty I have to discipline them and he's like you have to I was like yes I have to <laughs> so he was like okay so and I thought he was going to get teased at school but no he ended up being very popular in school that's, well that's good that's <laughs> so, good yeah it was funny that was a funny story so it, it's quite it was almost quite a natural thing, and he just sort of went with it, and it was okay, which is really, really cool. And like you said, he supported you by throwing a, a birthday party. They had a party for me, and yeah. he came. And it was so funny because, yeah, I was like, I invited him and his friends. I didn't think they'd show up, and they did. They stayed 30 minutes. Even one of his really good friends, you know, stopped and, and get, had a birthday present. He, but he made me come outside to pick it up because he didn't want. He was a little embarrassed to come <laughs> in. He's like, I don't want to. I don't want to go in there. But okay. <laughs> yeah. That, that's still quite cool. Um, Last point, um, just any tips for anybody wanting to become a pro dog? Yes, um, be realistic. Like, like, like we said, we said, there's many people that go and try and do it. I use air quotes, but... Yeah, they try and do it. I mean, I even have this one girl who still is emailing me and texting me and stuff, um, and on social media, she wants me to, to teach her, and I will teach her. I told her to come out to one of the events or something, and I can sit there and I can try to teach her some tips. Mm -hmm. But be realistic. Don't think you're going to get rich on this 
you're not. It's not, you know, some, I mean, some make a lot of money, you know, and I have, I've done quite well with this profession in the past 10 years, uh -huh. but you got to be realistic. Don't set yourself up some, for something and think, oh, I'm going to be this, or I'm going to make this, or, you know, you just have to, and with all the censorships and all the stigmas now, you have to be realistic because it's not going to be as easy. You really have to put work into it. Yeah. It's a lot to, to deal with. It's, you know, it's, it's time consuming. It, it just is. And well, yeah, because you've got the whole vetting process you've got what each wants to do and like we spoke about before the the self-marketing side of things takes up a lot more time than i think people realize yes you got to put a lot of time into um to marketing yourself it's just yeah. like oh i'm just gonna put this out here no 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 we had it's an not event. that simple no in our events you know i market them everywhere and i keep marketing them you have to put a lot of time and effort into it so yeah a lot of the girls like oh i'm gonna be i'm gonna make this money this this way and i was like no no, no you have to be realistic <laughs> yeah. and don't think you know don't set yourself up for something that you 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 can't you know you can do your best but you know don't expect it especially when you're starting off right. you're not going to get all these clientele rushed towards you because you're new because everybody else is also saying that they're new especially now because of all the censorships i mean 10 years yeah. ago things were so easy i mean all these websites were up you know back page craigslist all these but i never you know i never used craigslist because i thought it was too shady i just didn't <laughs> like the people too creepy yeah. but yeah but i mean there was a lot out there and you know there was more more accessibility more um ways to be um visible yeah but it's changed so it's okay i still deal with it though and i still do well with my mm. people so i'm good so it's basically just realizing what your expectations are right and don't set yourself up for and don't you know oh, so setting the correct yourself. expectation exactly also um you know i i mentored some doms when i first started out um at the dungeons and stuff but you don't copy yourself either don't try to be like a certain dom everyone's different and mm -hmm. you should tell your own style um to you your personality don't do it just because 100%. mr so-and-so is like this or mr so-and-so is like that 100 percent. do your own thing do you be who you See, are and, and that's where i'm that's why I'm glad I'm at where I'm at because my, my fet life name is the Opera Ghost okay. after Phantom of the Opera. Oh. So a lot of my style of things I'll is quite. I have to follow you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, a lot of my stuff, my, a lot of my scenes and stuff are theatrical in nature, mm -hmm. and it ties in with the Opera Ghost yes. side of things. And I've done Phantom of the Opera scenes where I've oh, had the yes. mask on and I've removed the mask and it's got the grotesque part on there, oh, how um, cool. and just all things like that, which makes it all a little bit different. The other thing that makes me different to a lot of other people is if I'm using a crop or, or a paddle or something like that, mm -hmm. I can hit the exact same, you know, two inch by one inch square mm -hmm. on a person and nice. I'll hit the exact same spot ten times in a row. Mm -hmm. And that's a sensation that most people can't or haven't dealt with before because right. it's, you know, a, a relatively large area if you're mm -hmm. using the art, an arse, for example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a quite a large area and to hit the exact same little square on that Right. Large area. <laughs> it's not an easy thing to do. And it, it, I think it's because I came from playing drums and I can just sort of oh, click cool. that exact same spot. Yeah, and, exactly. And That's cool. It's, it's those little things like that, I feel, is what separates mm -hmm. separates dominance or, or even submissives mm -hmm. in that way, whether they can take like that or, or whatnot. But, mm -hmm. yeah. Cool. Well, I'm also on Fat Life, so look me up. Uh, Mistress Jen 41 is my name. So That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Just to finish this off, go plug yourself any way that you want. Okay, have. let's see. Um, I'm on Instagram. It would be Mistress Jennifer 41. Twitter is gothchick, G-O-T-H-C-H-I-C 16. Um, and then I did the Fat Life. Uh, yeah, that's about it. And, you know, you guys can reach out to me. Um, if you want to set up a session, whatnot, you know, contact me and we'll start the screening process and go from there. 
Awesome. That that that's awesome. So yeah, guys, uh, make sure you do uh, hit up Mr. Jennifer. It's been an awesome chat. Thank you so much for taking yeah, taking time. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate to, it. Thank you for coming. Yes, but, um, yeah, it has. I've, I've really enjoyed. It. Like I said earlier, I've learned a whole bunch from this as well, which is which is why I do this. And it's yeah, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> touch of your lips, dear, but much more for the touch of your whips, dear. You can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango. Say our love is a flame, not an amber. Say it's me that you want to dismember. Uh, blacken my eye, set fire to my tie as we dance to the masochism tango. At your command, before you here I stand, my heart is in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's here that I must be. My heart entreats, just hear those savage beats and go put on your cleats and come and trample me. is hard as stone or mahogany that's why i'm in such exquisite agony my soul is on fire it's a flame with desire which is why i perspire when we tango you caught my nose in your left castanet love i can feel the pain yet love Every time I hear drums And I envy the rose That you held in your teeth, love With the thorns underneath, love Sticking into your gums Your eyes cast a spell that bewitches the last time I needed 20 stitches to sew up the gash you made with your lash as we dance to the masochism tango. Bash in my brain and make me scream with pain, then kick me once again and say we'll never part. I know too well I'm underneath your spell, so darling if you smell something burning it's my heart. Don't you take your cigarette from its holder and burn your initials in my shoulder fracture my spine and swear that you're mine as we dance to the massacre